0: Welcome to the State of Everything Extra, Tim. I'm Paul Rodriguez of thinktrading.com, joined by Tim Price of pricevaluepartners.com. Winners and losers, Tim. We're going to announce our winner of the 100th episode competition. Who've been the winners and losers with regard to COVID?
1: Uh, winners and losers, The I'd, I'd say in short, Asia's been the winner. Uh, and that's obviously a fairly big, uh, broad brushstroke, and the West has been the loser, and the particular losers have been the UK and US. So yay, yay for us!
0: Yay. Well, there's some um, big tech's been a been a big winner, hasn't it?
1: For sure. So yeah, the the theme I was going to uh, unprompted I was going to talk about today is is that a basically of, of contrarianism. Mm. So I'll, I'll welcome your thoughts on this from the te- technical side, but I've got a few. Got a few cheesy quotes that I'll be delighted to share with Ooh. everybody. The first of which is from a, an excellent book called The Tiger by John Vayant. And if anyone's looking for some holiday reading, um, I can't recommend anything better than this. It is a true story. So, this is something I wrote a little while ago, but uh, bear, bear with me. So, John Vayant's The Tiger is set in um, a region of Far East Russia um, called, the, called The Tiger. I'm not sure if that's how it's pronounced, it's the Forest Sea. And it's a true-life story about a, a, a trapper, a guy called Markov, who's killed by a tiger, and then of a unit that's deployed called Inspection Tiger, who are brought in to investigate. And it's basically Jaws with, with the, the shark replaced by a tiger. Right. Uh, and the tiger is taking out people as if it's got some kind of – like, so it's like a revenge, uh, a revenge's tragedy. Yes, and it's it's absolutely anyhow. It, it's it, uh, it's one of the most enjoyable books I've read. Now, they may be making it into a film. Oh, but anyway, fantastic! I've, so this yeah. but this is a this is a quote from this is a quote from the book itself, and it it, it it circles back towards the thing about contrarianism. The most terrifying and important test for a human being is to be in absolute isolation. A human being is a very social creature, and ninety percent of what he does is done only because other people are watching. Alone, with no witnesses, he starts to learn about himself. Who is he really? Sometimes this brings staggering discoveries. Because nobody is watching, you can easily become an animal. It is not necessary to shave or to wash or to keep your winter quarters clean. You can live in shit and no one will see. You can shoot tigers or choose not to shoot. You can run in fear and nobody will know. You have to have something, some force, which allows and helps you to survive without witnesses. Once you have passed the solitude test, you have absolute confidence in yourself and there is nothing that can break you afterward. And there is just one other line, which I think is a cracker, and this is via an um, uh, American mythologist called Joseph Campbell, who I suspect you know quite well. Yes. Um, and this is, this is the quote that, that ties us back into Contreras investing. The cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. Yes, and that's almost like a paradox, but it's 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 like every paradox. It's a paradox that's that's that has an essential truth. Um, and the other bit, and I don't want to dwell too much on 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 other quotes. It's just a piece from a forthcoming book by Michael Morgan Housel called "The Psychology of Money." And I'll just say I'll just quickly whip through this one: the Berkshire Hathaway annual meeting in Omaha attracts forty thousand people, all of whom consider themselves contrarians people show up at 4am to wait in line with thousands of other people to tell each other about their lifelong commitment to not following the crowd.
0: <laughs> <laughs> a Which crowd I mean, of people but, but, saying they don't follow the crowd. Exactly. So yeah, I think yeah. I mean,
1: there's more to it, but that, that, that gets the essential point across. So that's, that's really the issue. I, I would humbly suggest that right now we are living through a period where it's more difficult to be a contrarian than ever in history because there's whatever you want to call it, whether you call it fear of missing out or whether you call it greed, you know, the, the reality is that the market breadth, so there's a lack of market breadth in many ways. Firstly, um, the only real market in town is the stock market. Secondly, the only real stock market in town is that of the US. And thirdly, the only stocks that are really the game in town are, say, basically a handful of tech stocks. The likes of Facebook, Amazon, Alphabet, Netflix – NVIDIA, Google, those, those kind of businesses. And the, the, the lack of market breadth is, is quite something to behold. So there was a stat that I, I, I happened to see whiz past on, on Twitter uh, a few days ago, and it was via, I think I've posted it back, back up, and it was via um, a company called Redburn Partners, and I'm furiously now trying to fi- see if I can find it. But in essence, it was saying that Apple – is now worth basically as much as I think the rest of the Russell two thousand. It's, it's, it's worth as much as the entire index in the states now.
0: Incredible, it really incredible, is incredible. Yeah. and
1: it's now, now become the first two trillion two trillion dollar company.
0: So we've seen this with uh, well, just to circle and back. So
1: just to me, this feels if this doesn't feel like March two thousand, then nothing will ever feel like anything ever again. Yes, so so then it comes down to timing. So, you know, how, how what is the strategy to? To prepare this, if indeed you want to prepare for it or try and exploit it, because you, you can sit this one out. This again, it's FOMO, fear of missing out, is what's driving these these stocks ever higher. But it, it we, we've already been in absurdityville for you know for some time. But that doesn't mean, of course, it can't go on for another few years. I mean, who knows how long this insanity can last? You but talk- the, the point is, you don't want to be you don't want to be long and wrong when it when the market finally turns.
0: Yes. Uh, so you mentioned a, a guest who came up with the, uh, the, the term investing apophatically. I yeah, just, that
1: was John, Jonathan Escott. So John, apophatic, John, John Esker, yeah. apophatic is exactly the, the word in question. And, and if you invest apophatically, basically, well, my take on this at least, is that you, you observe something that's, that's wildly out of line, but you just choose not to participate because you don't know how it's going to play out. So you, in other words, you're sitting on the sidelines. And I think that I think the big risk, particularly for anybody that's ever set foot in a dealing room, is that you've, there's an obligation on, on the, I'm not a trader, I'll never be a trader, I never want to be a trader, I don't have a trading mindset. But I think for anyone that does nurse aspirations towards trading, there's a temptation to be, to always have skin in the game, to always have a view about everything. Yes. And it's like, I'll take on the entire world, but it, you don't need to behave that way. So it, it's perfectly legitimate to say, you know what, this is too difficult for me, I'm going to sit it out.
0: Or, or I just don't know what's going on. But yeah, exactly. you've made a series of very, very good points. First one, I would say the, the the tiger. I have bought a hard copy of that on oh, your right. recommendation. I'm really looking forward to reading it. And with regard to being in the cave, the the fear you you um
1: the cave you fear to enter.
0: Yeah, the cave you fear to enter was something that they used. Christopher Nolan used that very cleverly in Batman Begins, quite literally. So it starts with Oh, of course
1: the bats, with the bats. With the bats,
0: yeah. And oh. the bat it's and you he he became his fear. And that was all about overcoming that fear, which I think is yeah is absolutely a uh, fantastic description of how one should deal with investing. Because investing and trading, for me, is always about you. It's not about the market. The market is the market, and you can't change that. And the only other thing that you it's can change… It's a bit charge-
1: like being a surfer then, not that I've ever done any surfing, but you know, it's like it's, it, it, it's, it, there's an ocean, but there's also your, your participation with that ocean.
0: Yes, exactly. Exactly, that that analogy works very well. It, you you can't change the environment, so the only other so maybe equi-
1: maybe you don't go surfing in force twelve gales.
0: Possibly, yeah, <laughs> possibly. Um, so the or only other
1: vested waters.
0: So the only other element that you can change is yourself, and that's the same with the market. So it is really a battle with yourself, and you see it with I've seen it with traders and um, people who are who who you know fight the market and you've got to look out for when you're fighting the market yourself. <clears throat> and that's why it's so important to have a plan. Um, and you've, you've got one. So you should spend as much time setting out what your trading philosophy and is going to be beforehand as you do, you know, with anything that um, is important in your yeah, life. I mean, this, so- this
1: seems to be the problem. And I think it's a problem that, that, that almost everybody, if not everybody who ever invests or trades uh, faces on an ongoing basis, which is, Everybody spends time thinking about a buy strategy. Virtually nobody spends time thinking about a, a sell strategy. In other words, yeah. it's all very well saying, you know, this is what my wish list is. These are my criteria for getting in. But virtually nobody has a, well, apart from trend followers, has yeah. a, a strategy for, well, what, where, where do I get out? Have I got a profit target? Uh, I mean, some, I'm, some, I'm, I'm, I'm being over simplistic because so I'm sure plenty of people do. But I think the reality for most people is, you kind of you, you deploy a lot of time and capital uh, and energy into okay, this is what I'm looking for, and then something finally hits that target, and you go right, let's let's load up the truck. But yeah. from that point on, you, you're completely rudderless. You've got no idea what you're actually going to do. A, if it makes money, and B, if it loses money. So yeah. I think most people, most people go into the go, you know, most people play the game, but they've only got half of the half of the strategy sorted.
0: Part of it is also that algorithmic trading would also follow the recent trends. So extrapolating those out um, can work for a while. But what we know about markets is the only consistency is that they change. And, and therefore, when the change happens, it's how quickly can you adapt to that change? And, and uh, that that can be a problem. And like you say, a lot of algorithmic trading stays in the market all the time. It has to be in the market all the time, which is something that smaller fund managers and and possibly yourself, if you wanted to pull capital from, from all your investments, you could, and you could just wait it out on the side, um, or, 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 you know, deploy it into one of the other pillars of your strategy, but bigger companies feel obliged to always be doing something. And I think that, that can impact your, your, your profits because you may not necessarily have a strong view you may have a strong enough view to take a position but not a strong view and i'd also differentiate the difference between having an opinion on the market and trading the market so you might think well yeah this is this looks good or this might go up but that's very very different to actually having a trading strategy and and taking a position um so with regard to being a contrarian i think it's a, a, again a very interesting topic and it's one that I've looked at and wrestled with over the years, and' it's, there, there, are, there are some signals that I think are, are very um, very reliable when it comes to looking out for the top of a market. And it's not necessarily that the market's going up very quickly, um, and it's not necessarily that um, you you have a lot of amateur investors involved at that time. Because we have a lot of amateur investors involved in the market right now. Apparently, mm-hmm. a lot of people are using their their. Um, well,
1: I, I'd argue that everybody's amateurs. to Be honest.
0: Well, I mean, look, that's that's the thing about describing yourself as an amateur is is somebody who has has got something to learn, and I think that actually defines the professional because the professional uh, anything is always looking for a way to be better at what they're doing.
1: Because there's a cracking cracking quote from Russell Napier when he said that you know we were just chatting, you know, face to face over a meal. And he said, you know, there's, there's no, no business is quite like the city for paying you vast amounts of money to just learn on the job.
0: <laughs> yes, that's right. Um- and if,
1: if people on the outside, you know, weren't already aware of that, then that, he's, not, he's not gilding the lily. He's absolutely speaking, speaking the truth. So you have all these people that have probably very uh, sort of messianic, uh, views of of just how how good the so-called professionals are, but everyone's making this up as they go along
0: yes indeed and that's um, and it's there's also very few people if you look at how it's structured who've got skin in the game and
1: I mean I find it, that's the most that's the most offensive thing about the larger funds that you have these funds I mean I would define a large fund as being anything over a billion dollars um, and it's when you have these guys who are earning a literal fortune and they have Either none or next to none of their net worth even invested in the fund. I find that it's just, it's just morally morally abhorrent.
0: So, um, just switching tack slightly, we had a message from at Pastoral Farmer on Twitter who said that you were using the word obligerated, but you weren't. <laughs> but you weren't. And I think actually what's ha- what must have happened is it was the spell checker c- kicking in. But we got a really nice message from him, and I'm going to read it out to you now. Um, So we talked about it on the show, if you remember, and then he said, Dear Paul, I was quietly enjoying your latest podcast in bed the other morning when, to my surprise, my Twitter handle cropped up. I was so embarrassed (laughs) that I shot under the covers. Well, you're about to do the same I'm I'm,
1: I'm glad he said short.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Much to my wife, Margaret's consternation. I feel I should explain that my initial post um, to you was a light-hearted leg pull aimed at Tim, whose command of English I really admire, and so do I. I, I get that very much. Uh, but he uses the word "obligated," where you might say "obliged." My oh, daughter true. insists it's an in Americanism. Naughty, naughty, Tim!
1: Yeah, it, I, it, I've been it, you, I've been done like a kipper. He's got me banged <laughs> to rights, Gov.
0: <laughs> so, um, so he, he goes on to say, "I would like to comment on a speaker invited recently from the USA." Uh, who spoke about diet and fitness? Um, he's an organic beef farmer, and it was good to hear a sensible discussion re meat and health, which I think is absolutely fantastic for him to say. Thank you for that. I think there should be much more support for for that part of our industry. It's it's kind of strange, isn't it, that we have such a reliance on food and good food, and yet our whole the whole system is geared towards technology and stuff that could just you know disappear. But you you can't do without you know, our food chain. And we just don't really seem to be placing enough support for that.
1: Well, I, I'm not sure this, this game has necessarily played out because I remember yeah, the acute feelings of uh, uncomfortableness, of discomfort at the early, in the early days of lockdown when, you know, you only had to go to any supermarket. This is before you had to wear a face nappy to get inside one. And uh, there was there were basically there was panic buying going on. Do you remember that that, that fuss about toilet paper? There's a run on toilet paper. Yes, yes. So the the, so the first things to disappear completely from the shelves were basically hand sanitizer, um, and and toilet rolls. Yeah. And to to this day, I'm not entirely sure why the hand hand sanitizer makes sense, but the toilet rolls not so much.
0: That was a Um, rumor. Do you remember I I mentioned that? I think you mentioned
1: it in relation to Australia, was it? Well, it was.
0: Well no there, there was a rumor that So it has
1: to import all its 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 toilet rolls and it hasn't hasn't got the right kind of paper or pulp or something some,
0: something it was some link between face mask production and uh, the same paper that was used for face masks that it was used for toilet paper which got you know spun and therefore everybody thought there was going to be a a, a shortage and because everybody thought there was going to be a shortage everyone went out and bought some and it just kind of Well that's went that's from a there. perfect
1: a perfect example of again so we, we started uh, relators talking about um, contrarianism and effectively the, the, the other side of that coin is basically the, the, the power of the mob or the power, you know, herd thinking and crowd mentality and all the rest. That's, a, that's an absolutely classic example. The, uh, one of the best ways I heard, this, um, was, I heard this described was, I think it was Jim Rickards uh, in a conference I was involved with in, in Chile about 10 years ago. And we were in the, the ballroom of the uh, or conference center of the W Hotel in Santiago. And Jim Rickards, who is quite a name in it, I think he was the, the lawyer who helped negotiate the, the, the settlement for long-term capital management after it blew up. Really? Uh, yeah, I believe so. The, the
0: gold bar, Jim Rickards? Or was this uh, uh, no this is this no,
1: Jim, Jim Rickards is, is I think I think he I think he was a lawyer I think he was anyway but I, I, I think he's, he's, he's certainly a, a gold fan along with along with the rest of us so it's the him. same guy yeah I think it's I'm sure it's the same guy but anyhow he's making the point he also sp- speaks 10 to the dozen so he's very very difficult to catch up with um, cause the, the intensity of his thought is just sort of rat-tat-tat tat. Um, <laughs> well
0: if, if it's hard for you it'd be hard for everybody I mean well, that, 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 that per- could describe per- you
1: Tim per- perhaps but but uh, so, anyway, so we, this, you've got 500 people in this sort of ballroom hearing him speak. And he said, What if, if one of you, of all the sort of 500 people seat, seated around tables, if one of you suddenly shot up and bolted for the exit, what would you do? The chances are you'd probably do nothing. If 10 people were suddenly to get up you know, without warning and rush for the exit, you'd probably think, Well, that's interesting. But again, you probably wouldn't do anything. But then there's going to be a figure somewhere between one and 500. At, at, at which point you, you think, well, actually, I have no clue what's going on, but I actually think I'd rather be with the people running for the exit than with the people sitting down. And that's also a, a perfect example of, you know, of, of how things can tip over from, you know, for example, the, the contrarianism of one to the herd thinking of the many. And yes. everyone, I think, will have a different number. And I yes. don't know what my number would be. My number would probably be about 10. Uh, yeah. and that's and and that's that's not so much fear of missing out as as fear of being burnt alive in a in a in a Chilean you know hotel.
0: There's a um, an expression that I really like that relates to crowd psychology, and that is a man on his own is a normal rational human being, but mm. put him in a crowd, and he becomes a blockhead. And yeah, and and, and you you see, you, when you see scenes of people rioting, and we have seen some very odd scenes of
1: uh, and uh, really um, disgusting. I mean, the yes. one that the one that. That really struck a chord overnight. Where was the the mob, the sort of BLM mob? Almost all of them were, were white, inevitably. In I think it was uh, Washington, but basically they they just they were they were all they all had their fists in the air. So it looked like a Nazi rally to begin with. And they for some reason they just arbitrarily sort of ganged up on this poor woman that's, 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 that's sitting. I don't know if she's sit, sitting on her own or sitting with a friend, but basically pretty much forcing her to hold a fist up, and she refused. And while I while I applaud that woman, you know, to, to to infinity, it's it's a sign of just how mad people have started people have started to behave. They just don't know
0: what what on earth is going on. I mean, that is just outrageous. And I'm, I'm sure outrageous. you've
1: I'm sure you've seen the same footage. I, I have. have. Yeah. it's been all I've, over Twitter.
0: Yes, it's just outrageous. Completely outrageous. Um, I was in a coffee shop um, the other day, and I overheard these two old ladies. Uh, definitely in their 70s, possibly in their 80s, and they were describing something as being, first of all, they were talking about a series on YouTube, which I yeah. thought... That's which, right, a nice,
1: nice little insight.
0: Which I thought was great, you know, and I was trying to hear what it was. I didn't quite catch it. I should have asked them, really. But the next thing, they started complaining about s- some other restaurant or something, saying, oh, it's so wokey, you wouldn't believe it, but oh, it's wow. so badly run. I can't <laughs> believe it. And I just thought that it's so funny. How amazing you know to hear Cause, them because
1: those... Mar- i had a, got a similar conversation with my dad uh, a few weeks ago and he had to ask what woke was so there there you can see how some people are e- even in the sort of the silver surfer brigade you know have already have already mastered millennial millennial language
0: yeah it was the way they were just you know dissing it man um which was just <laughs> quite amazing i thought good on them brilliant so um when so, so,
1: so to, come, to come back to this oh, this, this topic of, of sort of contrarianism and, and yes. the crowd versus the individual, I'm not all, incidentally making a value judgment about, let's say, trading or speculative investing, if that's not a contradiction in terms. The point I'm simply trying to get across is it, it, it is not as straightforward as, as saying, well, X, X, whatever X is in this case, let's, let's call it Netflix or, or whatnot. But X is, sorry, I don't mean, I don't, mean, I don't want to pick on Netflix. I'd pick on Tesla. I'd rather pick on Tesla, frankly. But yeah. whatever it is, whichever component of the fangs or the fangmans or whichever part of big tech you're looking at, it's it's not as straightforward as saying this stock is clearly overvalued. Therefore, I'm going to short it because that's that's a very naive strategy. Definitely, it's unless you've got a, a sophisticated strategy to deal with, you know, to deal with getting out of that position. It's probably best to sit on the sidelines unless you want to ride it up. And riding it up is again is a perfectly valid, you know, a valid. Strategy. So the, the, the way that we reconcile all these conflicting forces, many of which are kind of psychological, is you know our our, our, our foundation is value driven. In other words, valuation. And the best way I would, the de- best quick way I would describe value investing would be securing superior cash flows cheaply, because then you don't even touch on things like sectors or anything else. But I think it seems to me to be a legitimately. Know brief way of describing value investing, and that's the cornerstone. But then, because there are all these other forces as well, and because you know, a, a, let's call it a sort of a naive value strategy can sometimes not work for long periods of time, we then supplement that with with a momentum strategy, and that that for us is systematic trend following. And one way we we sometimes describe the trend following component to clients and and fellow investors is it's it's like portfolio insurance against our own overconfidence. Yeah. Because the valuation strategy is clearly predicated on at some point the market will wake up and, and reprice this stuff, whatever this stuff is. Whereas for a momentum strategy, it's like you know, we, the, the strategy doesn't care. The strategy does not have a view about price except in as much as it wants to benefit from price trends. And they, these are polar opposites. These are practically chalk and cheese. But I think if you combine them, I think it works quite well. Uh, and it, it basically enables you to stay in the market, irrespective of whatever misgivings you might have about the state of the market.
0: It's um, a very smart way to consider a, the, an approach to the markets which can be described as polar opposites. Because most, most people are, are like say politically are either one side or the other and can't think on both sides or neutrally. Mm um and and it's the same with investing like people are either short term traders long term investors they either like tech or they hate tech it's mm. they seem to so this this is a uh this would be what i would describe as 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 very balanced and unusual um and that's that's you know why it's a, a, you know something to be considered but um it also does i mean you know go back to tech technicals and that is why i look at technicals because Part of why these companies are going up, it could just straight be a, a, a bubble, and that's possible. And there's but it's sm- been a
1: bubble that's lasted for ten years,
0: yeah, or uh, longer. Yeah, yeah. but it, they've tech has always has outperformed, and that's been a message. Um, and technically, that there been there were signals that the market was going to move into new highs, and it. That, that's continued, like more recently with. So, so,
1: so t- to, to, to to cut to the chase, then. So, let's assume that you're you're actively trading, let's say the S and P five hundred or, or Nasdaq or some some big index in the states. Yeah, what would you what would your positions be in relation either to the index or to certain specific stocks, the likes of the fangs.
0: Well, you'd have to, you can't be short. You'd have to be long, but yeah. you'd have to dance. But, but very, presumably, very,
1: presumably, with tight with it, with a stop loss, a fairly tight tight you'd stop you'd loss. You'd have to
0: dance near the door. I mean, part yeah. of, we've got um, on a, we've got Mike Boyd coming up on mm. Sunday. I'll just say that very quickly for our podcast, which is a fantastic lesson, But we've also following that we're going to have Benjamin Butler, who's a futurist. Now, part of why these companies are going up, we we don't really know exactly why, but there
1: and has- that, that could, could, to be fair, be the wisdom of crowds. In other words, that you know that the crowd isn't automatically a, a, a bad or you know stupid entity. On occasion, the crowd knows better than the sum of the individuals.
0: Well, this this so comes- it, may, it
1: may be that you know that, that. So, for example, we know we know to a, to a certain extent what has happened to the world since the coronavirus scare, or more specifically, since the grotesque government overreaction to the coronavirus scare. Um, but and so some of those things have undoubtedly been supportive of tech. It's, for example, been a godsend for people like Amazon because, if anything, it's it's it, it's it's sort of supercharged and super accelerated the trend from traditional high street retail to you know um, retail retail over the internet.
0: Yes. So so the the point I was going to make was that the well for, for a start as a trade, yes, you've got to if you're if you're long if you're in there, then you've got to dance near the door because. If there's a sea change, it could be a big one. But for the moment, and that's the only way you can approach the markets. For the moment, this is this is how it looks, and and subject to change. So, um, but the other point about these companies and why I was mentioning Benjamin was that there, in the last couple of years, there has been a massive change in the area of you know machine learning and um, artificial intelligence, and that has yet to play out. And for some people who like Tesla, they think that that their technology is way ahead and will affect many other aspects of our lives that that we haven't even considered yet, but the market is forward looking and expecting that to, to come in um and that that's the same with companies like facebook who and and you know of course amazon, and I'm sure Apple will have their offerings as well so there's a lot that's being developed uh in the background, definitely Google of course. And there, there are new technologies that we're, we will not hear about for a little while that the market is getting really excited about. Now, naturally, what then happens, and this is a consistent aspect of the market, as soon as we get that information and everybody goes, oh, wow, that's, that's life-changing, um, this is, you've got to buy the stock, that will be when the stock turns. And that will, that will be when, when everything is out, when all the information is out then the market starts to reconsider it's, you know, the people who've, who've seen it forward, look forward looking, um, you know, investors said, right, when this comes out, everyone's going to want it. And when it, when that's achieved, it's like a child getting their Christmas present, you know, what they wanted, they get, and then they have nothing but disappointment after that, because it's a peak of, of emotion. So I'm not necessarily saying that's the case. I'm not saying that there is something there, but I'm saying there is in the last few years, from from what I've analysed, there has been things that are possible with machine learning that were never possible before. And, and computer power has been as such, we know that it's always improving. So these things are getting better and better. It started to affect us with things like self-driving cars and uh, Alexa and things like that. But that's just, Perhaps the tip of the iceberg. There could be made m- much more than that going forward, and that's perhaps what the market is looking for. But there are some very smart people saying that the um, that tech is overvalued, and one of them being uh, I very much like Jim Mellon and, and what he says. He he says that uh, that, that he thinks there'll be a, a reversal, and I think you know you you. You should really take note. I mean, he's not always not like everybody. He's not always right. Of course he isn't. Nobody can always be right.
1: What would you, so what what specific indicator or types of indicator would you be looking for as a as a let's say as a timing as a this is this is the point to start, you know, shorting some of this stuff? A very, what, what would you if, be looking for?
0: A very good very reliable signal is something called a a spike reverse reversal or an exhaustion um bar where what you do is you get I mean, we're seeing almost absolute... Penalties. Is that like, is that
1: like a, what do they call it, a key day
0: reversal? Yes, exactly. It's exactly like that. So what happens is the market goes up really aggressively or down really aggressively. And then, so it can be trends in either direction. Mm. So following a, a, a very powerful trend, the market hits a new high, but then in short order reverses it with very high uh, daily ranges. So, so way, for
1: example, you might so you might have something that's been trending strongly higher for some time, and then on X day, it 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 goes up ten percent intraday, but ends up down ten percent on the day.
0: Yeah, so it's like a climactic reversal. Mm. We've seen small versions of that along the way, and what tends to happen is the market goes up, interrupts the trend, it goes sideways for a bit, and it can be that sideways for a bit can be some months, and then mm. you get the collapse. And this is this is how. Stocks reversed in two thousand, so it was very clear that that you had those signals um, because the market exploded to the upside, and there was absolute we, we know when you talk about contrary opinion theory, we know how how many people were involved in being long at that time mm. and but how smug everybody felt about being long the market there was mm. there is a, there has been a difference over the last few years and, and although i've agreed with the fact that the market is overvalued it it's there's also quite a lot of agreement around which is not necessarily conducive to a contrary opinion theory if that makes sense what yeah. you want is contrary opinion theory is is when that your view is laughable like people would say that's absolute nonsense that can't be the case and to say that tech is overvalued is not regarded as absolute nonsense that's regarded as 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 um as fact but uh w- when you go back to 2000 it was considered to be absolute nonsense to stand in front of the crowd because uh, everybody was chomping at the bit leaving their jobs and and had a guru who knew exactly which one to buy uh to make money <clears throat> and you it permeated the whole of society everybody was involved with it so yeah. that 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 was the difference really um so it they're a subtle but and they, they are nuanced changes and, and differences and it's it's hard to see it sometimes. But in the end, it it the price is the price is the price. It's got to come down to the price reverse. Do you it.
1: have a feeling or in terms of potential timing for how long this 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 peak bubble uh type market is gonna persist?
0: No, I never put a time on anything yeah. like that. I never because you can't you just can't Does
1: it do you have any Quote gut feel unquote about things because it feels to me as if that 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 day may may soon be upon us. The acceleration. That's not, not not because I've got I have no skin in the game, so I'm yeah. really doing it as a as an interested interested person sitting on the sidelines.
0: It's very unusual for you to have just a few stocks moving like this, so that that is making me feel uncomfortable. And the rate at which it's going up is is almost reverse crash style, yeah. which again It's like a is, melt is, a melt up a melt up exactly, yeah. which is. If you consider that interest rates are where they are, you know, the, the speed at which markets, if they're moving 2%, 3%, 5% a day up, that is, in this context, that's absolutely massive. If, if interest rates were 7 8%, it wouldn't be so, so, so crazy. But when interest rates are at the level that they are, you can, make, you can basically jump into a stock for a day, jump out, and you've made more than you would in a bank account for a whole year maybe two or three years. I mean, that is just, that's just crazy. Um, So that, that can only come when interest rates are at levels that they are now to um, engender people into investing more and more into the stock market. So they're being forced there. uh, That's for sure. But it's, it's, it's very narrow. Like, the banks aren't performing particularly well. Um, oil's performing really badly.
1: On that point, did you see? Uh, I mentioned uh, where I was alluding to. Um, I think it was Redburn Partners uh, and a guy called Nick Glyden, who who I, I saw this from. I think it was Apple is now worth more than all of the U.S. banking and oil sector put together.
0: I mean, that's that just reminds me. I don't know if it reminds you of the of the Japanese stock market mm. being worth more than than. Um, the- you know the whole of what was it california it was the the,
1: ground, the grounds of the imperial palace in tokyo worth more that's, than california
0: that's right yeah i mean ugh, there's, there's <laughs> yeah it can continue but for how long who knows it's um it's it's definitely uh it it, it it's definitely if when it unwinds you know everyone will say oh yeah it's really obvious it was overvalued but it's very hard to fight that trend mm. and you do need a signal you can't just we had a few little signals along the way, but they've reversed. So that's the nature of of, um, of technical trading and analysis. So, um, our 100th episode, we have got a winner to announce. Ba, 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 ba. So, chosen at random uh, from the correct entries. And thank you to everybody who, who entered.
1: Good, well, let's go with the question first, just to remind people what the question was.
0: The question was who set up the securities exchange company a hundred years ago and what was the answer? It was Charles Ponzi. So well done to those people who put the correct answer in. Um, And from that, the random uh, choice is Mark Thatcher. So Mark Thatcher. No. Yes.
1: Not the Mark Thatcher. Well, that's what I thought, but no.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Spelt with a C. So I was like... And Unless it really is him and he's just trying to, you know, but no. Cover his tracks. Exactly. But yeah, Mark Thatcher, um, congratulations. Thank you for being a listener. Thank you for entering the competition. And we got some lovely comments, you know. It's been been so nice uh, to receive messages from our listeners. So thank you so much. And thank you to Phil Dawson for your review on iTunes. It really helps. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. So there we go. So fantastic. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Tim, for all your thoughts. Thank you. And we will catch you next time. All the best. All the best. Bye-bye. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Please do your own research or contact a professional advisor.